Okay, CIAC sports fans, welcome to another edition of the CIAC cast. We are up to episode 53, believe it or not, 53 editions of this uh, remarkable podcast. That's, I'm overselling only slightly by calling it remarkable. I am Joel Cookson. We are thrilled that you've decided to come along with us for this very exciting time of year. It's brackets, it's pairings, it's all coming up on the next few days as the CIAC fall tournaments get underway. We've already had the CIAC Divisional Cross Country Championships. By the time you listen to this, the Open Championships may be underway and uh, lots of exciting things happening this time of year, and we are going to do our best to help you get ready for it on this edition of the CIAC cast. We have a great lineup of guests coming along. This could be a very lengthy CIAC cast, but that's all right. It's an exciting time of year. We've got Vicki Fulkerson of the New London Day coming on to talk about the preview some of the CIAC tournaments. Scott Erickson of the Stamford Advocate is going to join us. Matthew Conyers of the Hartford Current going to talk a little soccer. Mary Albel of the New Haven Register. She's going to talk a little cross-country championships, get us ready for the Open and talk about what took place at the Divisional Championships last weekend. And then finishing things off, last but certainly not least, is Lori Riley of the Hartford Current. She's going to talk a little field hockey championships with us. So lots of great people to talk to. We're very very excited. Got folks from all around the state trying to uh, do our best to get some uh, representation from all over the place. Very excited about that. And we are thrilled to get into the heart of the fall championship. So we hope you uh, tag along with us. And because of that wonderful lineup of guests, I am going to very, very quickly tell you some things you might have missed on CICsports.com. Of course, first, I must pass along our message from the our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. I say must, but only because uh, it's not. it is something that I would do anyway, because quite frankly, it's very important that you not drive distracted or text and drive. Look, I've been in the car. I've heard that ping of the text message. I've been tempted. You know you want to see who's talking to you, who's getting in touch, what they want to know. Just keep the phone put away. It's not worth it. It's not worth putting yourself at risk. It's not worth putting your passengers at risk. It's not worth putting other people on the road at risk. Keep the phone parked away. One text or call could wreck it all. You got to tell your family, tell your friends, keep the phone in your pocket. Keep it in the center console where you can't look at it, where you're not going to be tempted. Keep it in the trunk for goodness sake, just so you're not tempted. Just press play on the CIAC cast and have your very smooth, steady drive wherever you're going without being distracted. So please remember, one text or call could wreck it all. Very important message from our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. We do not want to see any uh, tragedy here in uh, on the roads due to texting and driving. With all that said, a few quick things you might have missed on CICsports.com. I mentioned the cross-country championships got started last weekend at the Divisional Championships. And with that, the the fall edition of Linked Up Championships 2015 has been posted. This is a post where we share the story of each CIAC champion as told by their local uh, newspaper or uh, media outlet. So that will be updated throughout the fall season. So every time we've got a new champion, we've got a new story as part of Linked Up Fall Championships. So you can check that out all through the fall season. Speaking of Linked Up, we posted a new Linked Up last Friday, 10.30. Some wonderful stories in there. I really hope you'll check that out as well. And as I mentioned, it is tournament time. It is time for pairings. It's time for brackets. All of that fun stuff. 
the best place to get all of that information you're going to want to bookmark is tournament the CIAC Tournament Central page. TournamentCentral.CIACSports.com will bookmark that sucker. It's going to have all of the results. It's going to have all of the brackets. It's going to have all of the schedules. It's going to have rosters. It's going to have anything you could possibly want. It's got our Twitter feed there in the side. It's got links to updates, text or email updates. That's the other thing you're going to want to sign up for. All of that good stuff is there at Tournament Central. Find it on the CIAC homepage. Go to CIACsports.com. The link is on the right side. You click on that, you are will be good to go. Bookmark it. It's going to be your go-to spot. Once brackets are posted, once results are there, it's all going to be right there. You're really going to want to check it out. So those are a few quick things that you might have missed on CIACsports.com. One thing I've been mentioning a lot on Twitter of late, why not use the uh, the opportunity of either league tournament championships or CIAC tournament games to show off your fans for the Battle of the Fans. Get some great footage from CIAC tournament games when your fans are really fired up for those tournament contests. That's a great way to take part in the CIAC, the cast CIAC Battle of the Fans. So uh, keep that in mind. We're back for year two of that. The submissions are not until uh, the winter of 2016 once we kind of get into the heart of basketball, hockey, wrestling, all that good stuff. But uh, no reason you can't start collecting footage for your uh, submission video. So we hope fans will take advantage of that. And speaking of Twitter, at CIAC Sports on Twitter is where you can find us. We tweet lots of good stuff out, including me just, you know, harassing random people. No, that, that doesn't happen. I don't do that. But uh, it is a great place for, for updates, and we tweet out every single tournament result is tweeted out. So you're going to – if you sign up and follow us now, your, uh, your feed is going to be filled with tournament results, and that's a good thing. That's a, it's a great way to, uh, to find out who's winning and losing. Keep track of all of those things as well on Twitter. Facebook.com slash CIC Sports, another way to keep in touch with us uh, and everything that's going on. So all of that said, let's get to our interviews. You don't want to hear me. You want to hear the experts around the state of Connecticut previewing the CIAC tournaments. So let's dive right into it. First off, from the new London day, we're going to reach out to Vicki Fulkerson. We are joined now by Vicki Fulkerson, who covers high school sports for the New London Day, and has had a busy week of uh, postseason soccer already that she's been covering, so she's also gearing up for the CIAC tournaments. Vicki, thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you. So you've, uh, you've been on the soccer trail this week, so why don't we start there, and uh, what are some of the interesting uh, boys' soccer teams and, and girls' soccer teams uh, from your part of the state that maybe fans are going to, that you're thinking fans might get to know a little bit over the coming weeks in the CIAC tournaments? Yes, um, um, mon- Monday I covered the ECC semifinals. Um, I covered the girls, and um, uh the the two top seeds both lost on on Monday, which made it really interesting. Um, uh, Ledger, which has sort of been an up and coming team for a couple of years under their their coach, this is just her third year. Jennifer Sullivan, mm-hmm. um, she, she um, they ended up winning the ECC tournament on Wednesday night. They were the number three seed. Uh, they beat number two Waterford on Monday. Okay, and then the the kind of the big story of the night Monday was um, Stonington. Is, is was just on a roll. They they ended up losing to Ledger in the finals, but they beat East Lyme on Monday, which was the top seed. And um, East Lyme had won three straight championships, and they had only given up four goals all season. And Stonington beat them three to one. So that was kind of exciting. And and so Stonington Stonington goes into the Class M tournament really really hot. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't score uh, in the final, but 
um, before that. They had they had beaten some really good teams that were ranked in the in the Class M slash S poll. They had beaten Old Lyme and they had beaten um, Waterford, and they, they were just really on a roll. I was kind of surprised they lost, except Jenny's such a good coach too. So um, that was that was interesting. Um, and then uh, t- Tuesday, I covered the. Uh, um, the Shoreline semifinals. Right. Uh, there was a double header at Old Lyme. The the girls were the top seed. The Old Lyme girls were the top seed. They played at ten thirty in the morning Tuesday because it was election day, and then the boys played um, at second at two o'clock um, um, at the same field. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the girls won ten to four over Cognizant. That oh, was wow. interesting, and uh, the the boys won two to nothing. Uh, a little more crisp <laughs> action, <laughs> but uh, but th- those teams are both in the finals uh, Friday night. The Shoreline finals that are at Portland High School, and both Old Limes play Morgan in the finals. The girls are the number one seed, and the boys are the number two seed. And so that's interesting. They'll they'll go into Class S really really strong. Sure. Both teams have 13 wins, um, which is amazing. Uh, the the girls team graduated. So many starters from last year. Um, I think two All-State kids. Just a, I, th- I think it was like nine seniors that they lost last year. And then the the other day, this freshman, her name is Maya Johnson, and she's real confident and real personable kid. She scored five goals in oh, their win wow. over Cognitog the other day. And a sophomore named Maddie Ouellette had six assists. Um, Old Lime scored on four straight corner kicks, all on assists from from Maddie Ouellette. She takes the corner kicks. They headed in the first three, and then the second one got knocked back out to her, and she sent it back in, and they scored. So she had four straight assists on four corners. So that that's the first time I had seen them play this year, and they're really impressive with so many young kids. So so that was kind of neat. Very um, good. In the, uh, the Sto- Stonington um, Stonington girls team going into the state tournament is interesting. Um, last year, uh, Stonington won the ECC medium division over Waterford. Mm-hmm. They're both really good teams. Uh, Stonington won the medium division, but then they met up in the state tournament. Uh, the game was at Stonington because they were the higher seed. Yeah, uh, and um, and Waterford beat them in penalty kicks, and they they took their all state forward Claire Hurley, and they put her in the goal for penalty kicks, and they beat Stonington. Well, th- this year Waterford won the ECC medium division, but Stonington's the team that ended up making the ECC finals. So um, I don't know if they're in the same bracket to meet again um, in the state tournament this year, but they're always like um, going up against each other. It seems like. Right, so a lot of good, a uh, lot of interesting squads and interesting teams, and teams that are coming in uh, with various levels of, of sort of momentum. What about right. in uh, what about in in field hockey? I know that there's some perennially strong teams in in your part of the state in the coming into the state field hockey tournament. What are you seeing there yeah. in terms of teams that might be uh, might be ready to make some noise in the CIC events? Yeah, I, I I almost I almost forgot to talk about them. They have they haven't played since October 27th. Oh wow. Um, they have a couple of scrimmages scheduled for this week. I noticed I looked at their schedule and they have a couple of scrimmages scheduled against some of the bigger teams like Guilford because Stonington is a class S team. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they lost uh, so many talented players from last year, um, including their all-time leading scorer, Molly Crowley, who was on the team this year at Catholic. She scored 94 career goals. They had so many kids um, graduate and they came back and won their 
24th ECC title in the last 25 years. In the last 25 years, um, a couple weeks ago, they had a big game against Killingly, and they won two to one um, to to take over first place. And then they wrapped they wrapped it up um, with the with their last couple games. But they were 12 one and three in the regular season. The only team they lost to was Avon, which is in the top ten of the state. Yep. So. Um, so they 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 don't have an ECC tournament, so they just been kind of hanging out for a couple of weeks <laughs> and wait, waiting for the state tournament to start. While everybody else is playing, you know, all busy playing ECCs. But um, they Stonington won the state championship in 2013, and last year they were in the semis. So we'll see how how they do this year. But um, they're they're real competitive. Um, they they have a couple girls who took just took great over scoring goals, and they have their goalie back. Um, Cameron Dreer, her name is, and mm-hmm. uh, they've they've been really solid despite losing all their goal scoring. So it's pretty good. That's very good, and yes, that's a team that uh, that fans of uh, of CIC uh, tournament field hockey are certainly familiar with. What about uh, what about girls volleyball? Any teams uh, from your your part of the state that that fans are going to want to uh, keep an eye on? Uh, v- volleyball, our big team is Fitch. Mm-hmm. Um, they they are. They're twenty and one right now. They're the um, they're the number one seed in the ECC tournament, which, as we talk, is not over yet. Right. Uh, they're in the they're in the finals, and um, and they're in the finals against Waterford, which is also very good. Um, Fitch is in Class L. I believe Waterford would be in Class M, um, and so Waterford could make a dent too. They've made the the semis and the finals a couple years. Also, um, Fitch. Um, Fitch beat Waterford twice so far this season, three to two. So it's been really, really great matches. Uh, Fitch has a setter named May Safransky, and she's probably the you know the best player that we have in our league. She's she's just a really good setter. And then they have a couple big hitters. One of them is interesting. One of them is Caroline Tabor, who's the Gatorade softball player of the year. Mm-hmm. She plays volleyball too. So they're just like competitive athletes that they yep. have on the volleyball team, and and uh. They've they've been on a really nice run, so look for them in Class Hale. Very good. We will uh, we will definitely do that. So I know uh, one of the one of the reasons we love uh, talking to Vicky is because she always has uh, has some great stories and really uh, gets to know a lot of the student athletes and kind of finds some great stories along the way. So what have you uh, what have you dug up during the the season this year? Maybe not looking at uh, CIC tournament action necessarily, but uh, some of the stories that have stood out to you during the regular season. Since we don't want to uh, we don't want to totally forget about the regular season, even with the CIC tournaments coming up. A, a couple things. Um... One and I and I I've seen getting gotten to see them play a couple times. The the Stonington girls, um, they they graduated their all-state goalie. Her name was Gabby Hoops, mm-hmm. and uh, this year they came up with a girl named Tati LaFrance Boyce in goal, who is an a, a, like an all-state basketball player and thousand-point scorer for the basketball team. She has never played soccer before. Oh wow! And um, in the in the spring. She did track, and she had never done track before. She high-jumped and made the Nationals, <laughs> qualified for the Nationals. So now um, so now she's their starting goalie on a team that has a chance to go really far in the state tournament. And she made she made honorable mention all ACC as a goalie, but she put on a show on Monday against East Lyme. They, um, East Lyme was down going into the second half, and as the top seed, they, they came out just crushing the ball at her, just, just, just like... Uh, pelting her with shots, and she made so many nice saves that 
the um, the opposing coach actually said she thought there were two goalies in there instead of just Tachi uh, because she made so many spectacular saves. One, she completely leapt up in the air with like one hand up really high and tipped the ball over the top of the um, the, the goal cage. She was she just did such a great job, and the coach said she's not technically the most sound goalie because she's only you know she only had a month's training sure. before yeah. they started the season, but. She's such a competitor and such a such a fun athlete to watch in the goal. That that was an interesting um, part of uh, the girls' soccer season this year. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a girl at East Lyme, um, and, and East Lyme will obviously be really competitive. Um, I believe they're in Class L, and uh, they they'll they'll you know get right back with it. They have a great coach, Rachel Redding. Um, they have they they also um, lost many talented players from last season and um this year came up with a girl who scored 28 goals <laughs> who had never played forward before oh wow so um uh, her name is stephanie della forcod um the 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 um the all-time program record for goals is 30 which was set all the way back in 1992 by a girl i used to cover kim hartzler and uh steph has 28, so she goes into the state tournament only needing two more to tie the program record. And uh, she's a junior, and her first two seasons she was kind of like the 12th man on the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, and then uh, this year they put her, they changed her from midfield to forward, and she's left-footed and she's just you know exploded. Right, her 28 goals. She's she's had hat tricks. Um, like four or five times this season. One game, she they scored five goals in one game. She had a goal and four of the assists. She just makes everything happen, and and she's also very personable to that. That I did a feature on her a couple weeks ago, and she's a really nice, like probably a nicer kid than she than she is a good soccer player. So that was interesting um, to talk to her. <laughs> um, just uh, cross country wise, I know uh, t- tomorrow's the state open. Um, there, there's an interesting, uh, uh, an interesting uh, like story of sportsmanship that I came across. Um, uh, one, one of my favorite kids who's in high school right now is a girl at Ledger named Megan Bronner, and she's my favorite because she's the editor of their school newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, she's just a really good kid, and she was our track athlete of the year. She won a state championship in track, but. Um, so in in the uh, last year during the state tournament and during the state meet in cross country, she passed out and didn't finish the meet. Okay. Well, this year there was a girl, um, Sylvia Lawrence from Woodstock Academy, who beat Megan during the regular season, but during the ECC meet this year, Sylvia passed out. So they last week they went into the class double M race in cross country. And um, I I wasn't there personally, but I read an article um, talking about how Megan, you know, who had lost to this girl during the regular season, but Megan helped her through the race because she was nervous about passing out again, and Megan knew what that feeling was like, so she she helped the girl through the race. And Megan finished second in Class Double M, and Sylvia finished third. And there was um, a picture of them in the Norwich Bulletin together, which which I just thought, like, that doesn't happen every time. And the, the quote from Sylvia said, it's so cool to have a role model and an older person in the ECC to have a lot of fun and push me. Like, I, I just thought that was 
like such a um, a good sportsmanship uh, moment that that you don't see all the time. Like somebody beat you during the regular season, you're ta- you're trying to get ahead of them and beat them. You're not saying, "Come on, you can do it." <laughs> right. And I, I just thought that was really admirable. Um, and you know, I know there's good sportsmanship and, and kids get along well, but for a girl who beat you and you're you're trying to put her at ease, you know, because she she was nervous about you know her health and and this kid like helped her through the race and I, I just thought that was a really nice thing. That is, that's a tremendous story, and uh, and certainly glad to to hear all about all these things. And uh, Vicky Fulkerson does a great job uh, bringing them all to us. So Vicky, we uh, we thank you, and we will certainly be keeping an eye on all these teams and uh, and and a few other things that uh, that you've told us about as as we progress into the CIC tournament. So good luck uh, keeping track of everything over the next few weeks, and thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Joel thrilled to have Vicky carve out a little time for us. She's been very busy, so uh, was was fortunate to be able to track her down and get her perspective on things going on in the eastern part of the state. We've got a first-time guest with us coming up now, Scott Erickson of the Stamford Advocate. Very happy we are joined today by a first-time uh, podcast guest, someone that uh, we've been trying to uh, or hoping to get on the podcast for quite a while because he does great work down in Fairfield County, and that is Scott Erickson of the Stamford Advocate. Scott, thanks for being with us. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Very excited to uh, to talk with you. As we, uh, I know you uh, were recording this on a Wednesday. You've got plans to go out to some uh, conference championship soccer matches today, and uh, the CIAC tournament is is coming right along. So we're going to chat a little bit about some of the teams that you think fans should uh, should keep an eye on as maybe making some runs in CIAC tournament play. But before we get to that, wanted to you know, quickly look back a little bit on the regular season, which amazingly has, has sort of wrapped up at this point, and, and just get a sense for maybe what are a couple of maybe the games that have stood out to you that you've seen so far this fall? Uh, you know, the, I, the St. Joe West Hill girls game was very good. St. Joe won 4-3. You know, they're undefeated. They're going to the state tournament. Uh, West Hill was right there and, and was knocking on the door and could have won that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ward also, West Hill girls gave Ward a really good game. Uh, maybe the best game I saw all year was the last game of the year. Ridgefield needed a win to get into the FCX, and they went to Stanford, and they lost 3-2. to two. Um, I've seen some good soccer games this year. Uh, football games not as much, but the soccer games <laughs> have been very competitive, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the state tournament. The fall state tournaments are, are, are so excellent across the board. Yeah, no, you get a lot of uh, a lot of talented teams, and really a lot, of, I think, maybe as much as any other, uh, you know, any other sports i think you really see you know some diversity across the state and you know you've got top teams uh, all over the place and and that always leads to i think to fun tournament play when you get matchups that you know schools that aren't used to facing each other in in the championships so you you mentioned girls soccer let's uh, let's start there and, and what are your few of the teams that you think might be in uh, position to make some noise in the cic tournaments in girls soccer from your neck of the woods uh, well, I mean, first you got to start with St. Joe's. I mm-hmm. mean, if they don't, if they're not playing for the Class L championship, I'd be very surprised. Um, they're a polished team. They're senior-led, uh, and they're totally—they seem totally locked in on their goals. You know, they were knocked out of the FCX tournament early last year. They're playing in the finals tonight against Ridgefield. Uh, you know, there's a few teams in L that could give them some trouble. You know, Suffield, maybe Farmington or Laurelton. Uh, but I, like I said, I'd be really shocked uh, to not see the Cadets playing on championship Saturday. Sure. Uh, Double L is loaded with teams from down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ward is very good, very skilled, senior-led team. Uh, you know they got bounced out in PKs in a zero-zero game in FCX, so they're going to be hungry. 
They're going to be a high seed. They're very dangerous. I've seen them a couple times this year. Uh, Ridgefield uh, is a very aggressive attacking team. Lots of skill on that team uh, on offense and on defense. Uh, they can make a deep run. Um, and then, the, you know, teams like Greenwich, Darien, Ludlow, Staples, Wilton, and even West Hill, you know, they're all, sure. they're all dangerous. Uh, I don't expect those teams to be in the semis or anything, but they could, they could win a game or two here or there. But um, really Ward, Ridgefield, and, and St. Joe's right now are the three teams I'd keep my eye on the most out of the FCAC girls. You mentioned seeing some great soccer. What about on the boys' soccer side? Who are who are a few teams that uh, that you're keeping an eye on and uh, and think maybe you're going to be following uh, late into the tournaments? You know, boys' soccer. It, I've always said in in the FCAC, boys' soccer is the most competitive sport, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you take out Trinity Catholic this year, every team, even teams that won three games, could beat the top teams, and when they that really helps them when they get into the state tournament. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see. You know, at half the quarterfinal field being from the FCAC uh, in Double L. Right. Uh, Danbury, Darien, Ludlow, Wilton, Greenwich. I mean, Greenwich is eight, three, and five, and maybe has the state's best player, Nick Bartles. Um, they could really make a run in this tournament. All those teams could. Uh, and like I said, I wouldn't be surprised. And then, even if you look a little lower, it's just like Staples and Richfield. Richfield's eight, six, and two. But you know, someone might take them lightly looking at that at that record, but. Coming out of the SJAC, 8-6-2 and two, it can be deceiving. So I think those teams can make some noise, too. Boys soccer is where I really expect the, the most teams from this area to, to advance. Yeah, no, that 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 deep field. It's all you're always interested to see whether teams are are maybe worn down from the the tough regular season or if they, you know, as you said, sort of have that advantage of, of being, you know, pressed all the time and uh, and make it work going into the finals. Um, Field hockey, uh, change shifting gears a little bit here. It's a sport that certainly uh, has several perennial uh, teams that have fared well in CIC play. Are you expecting similar this year, and what are some teams we should look at there? Yeah, I mean, field hockey is always kind of the same. Um, Darien's very good. I mean, I think everyone w- wouldn't mind seeing the Darien-Glastonbury rematch from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a great state final. Um, Wilton and Greenwich are both really solid in, in the L field. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see if Norwalk can make some noise. They finished 12 and three. They're certainly not a traditional power, but they could make some noise in, in the L tournament. Um, and then when you go down to M, uh, New Canaan at 12-3 and run, 12-3 and one. I, I'd really be surprised if they're not playing for a state title. The M field has Barlow and Laurelton uh, in hand, of course, but mm-hmm. New Canaan's really been playing well. They played the top teams really close this year, um, and that field's not quite as strong as as the L field. Yeah, great. No, it's certainly uh, lots of uh, lots of competitive squads, and, and it seems like also you talk about in the fall the, the margin for error sometimes in some of these sports. Uh, you know, that you can have a really talented team that maybe doesn't uh, produce the kind of tournament run that you're looking at. Um, and uh, now moving inside uh, real quickly here, the some also some traditionally strong volleyball teams in in your part of the state. What are uh, what teams have impressed you the most this year uh, on on the courts uh, inside, and uh, and what are you looking at in terms of uh, CIC tournament prospects for those teams? Uh, there's this pretty good volleyball program in Darien. I don't know if you <laughs> are familiar. I'm with familiar them. with their work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I mean, nothing's really different this year. I, you know, they're unbeaten again. They're dominant again. If they're not playing for a state title, it'd be a major, major shock. Um, but there's a few teams below them that are that are pretty good too. Richfield and Greenwich could certainly go deep in the Double L field. Um, 
And then you have teams like McMahon that are kind of upstart uh, but had good seasons and should, could, could certainly pick up a win here or there. Uh, Ludlow and Trumbull are okay. Um, yeah, you can see those teams maybe making a run to the quarters, the semifinals. Uh, but really it's all about Darien. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's another FCAC team with them in the championship. Like I said, uh, you know, Greenwich and Ridgefield are very competitive uh, in double in L. Yeah, no, definitely uh, testing uh, testing each other throughout the regular season. Um, and you've sort of hit on a few of these, uh, um, you know, over the course of this uh, talking about these teams. But what are you what are you looking at maybe in terms of sleepers? You know, maybe you've talked some of the top teams and you've talked some some squads below them. But you know, maybe teams that haven't had outstanding regular seasons or or you just think are under the radar a little bit. But if you know maybe things break their way, could make. Uh, tournament runs in, in any of these sports. Any Anyone jump out at you as maybe uh, sort of under-the-radar sleepers that uh, that folks could take a look at? Yeah. Uh, in field hockey, you know, Staples is playing in the L field, too. Uh, they're 9-5-1, and one, but they had to go through all those FCAC teams. So, mm-hmm. again, you know, they're a team that could definitely make a run uh, in that L tournament um, facing teams from upstate that may not have had the same competition. Uh, Staples in, in boys soccer was 8-4-4. Four, and four. Um, they're always a good program. Uh, you know, Dan Wu coaches those guys up really well. Uh, they could definitely make a run there. You know, that's a loaded field, so that's tough. But yep. but soccer could always do it. And then, like I said, in, in girls' soccer, you know, West Hill's got a lot of young talent. I, I don't think they're really ready to win a state championship this year. But when you have, you know, two highly skilled players up top and some good players in the midfield, you can win a game here or there, especially if you play well defensively. So, you know, West Hill and Wilton in girls' soccer um, – other than that, sleepers, I mean, you know, any middle-of-the-pack team, um, you know, Trumbull and Ludlow and volleyball, McMahon, like I said before. So those teams that maybe have records that look down and, you know, come in as a 10 or 11 or 12 seed, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of them make a run in the fall tournaments. Yeah, no, and as we said, the the margin for error sometimes, particularly I think in in soccer and field hockey, is is pretty slim. Uh, w- you know, when when you're when goals are not that easy to come by, so it'll be interesting right. uh, to see how that shakes out. One question I didn't prepare you for, so we'll uh, we'll, we'll throw a little uh, a little curveball at you here, but uh, um, just maybe give me you know a handful, you know maybe two three names of uh of standout of standout players you know that that folks around the state that maybe haven't seen them play uh are going to get into some state tournaments you mentioned uh the the gentleman from greenwich on the boys soccer side but you know maybe two or three names uh in in the sport where you're going to say wow those guys we hadn't seen them play before but they're really really impressive who are a few names uh of players that in particular that jump out at you uh jenna bike uh the playing uh, soccer for st joe's uh, you know they have a really talented roster all around her, but but she is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, Nick Bartles at Greenwich, uh, a volleyball player to watch, uh, Abby Wolf, who's being recruited by Division One schools for basketball. They brought her over to play volleyball, I think, last year. And while she's still learning some of the footwork and nuances, she's like six two and very athletic, and she's at the net. And a lot of teams haven't seen that right. when they get into the state tournament. And she's very imposing. I mean, she'd be imposing for me to, <laughs> to play volleyball against. Um, so she's going to cause a lot of problems, and I think um, when you get someone that athletic and that big, you know, playing in girls' volleyball, that that can make a huge difference for for people that aren't prepared for it. Sure. 
Yeah, no, lots of, uh, as you said, lots of good teams, lots of great uh, student athletes to keep an eye on. And, uh, man, we're, we're excited. This is, a, this is a great time of year. Uh, the pairings are coming out on Friday, so we're going we're gonna to get right into it and looking forward to it. And, uh, Scott, we, uh, we appreciate you carving out a few minutes to, uh, to chat with us and, uh, and bring us up to date on what's happening down in Fairfield County. So appreciate you joining us and, uh, and hope we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joel. Anytime. Thanks so much to Scott. Really enjoyed that chat with him. Uh, as I mentioned, a first-time guest, and uh, I have a feeling he will be back. We enjoyed talking to him quite a bit. Another person who is not a first-time guest. In fact, this gentleman was our first-ever guest on the CIAC cast. We reach out to talk a little soccer. Let's talk to Matthew Conyers of the Hartford Current. Well, I personally love talking about soccer. I will admit that. And uh, one of our favorite people to talk about soccer with is someone who, uh, in in getting ready for this, just described himself as a, a high school soccer fanboy, and that is Matt Conyers of the Hartford Current. So we're going to uh, talk a little high school soccer here as we get ready for the release of the CIAC tournament brackets and the, the, the tournaments upcoming. So, Matt, thanks as always for uh, taking a few minutes to uh, to geek out on some high school soccer with us. <laughs> appreciate you having me on as always Joel it's always fun talking catching up about the season and the tournament all right so let's uh let's dive right in here and uh and Matt follows this stuff uh just about as closely as anyone and uh I was looking at the uh the results from last year and I think about at least five of the state champions in uh boys and girls soccer last year were were probably teams that you were very familiar with so uh certainly uh a relevant uh, person to chat with. But before we get into the tournament stuff, let me just ask you uh, quickly, maybe what are a few of the, uh, maybe what are a few of the, of the games that regular season games that you've seen this year that sort of stood out to you as maybe uh, the best examples of some regular season high school soccer this year? You know, obviously I can be talking about high school boys soccer. You got to start with Farming and Glastonbury. It's arguably, it is probably the best rivalry in, high school soccer, arguably the best high school sports rivalry, in my opinion, uh, certainly in recent memory. They played against, against each other again this year, Farming and Glastonbury. Actually, the girls played a doubleheader, uh, not the same venue, but they both played on the same day. Mm-hmm. And I think that game really uh, was an important game for this year um, because it kind of showed where those two programs, they kind of uh, serve as uh, the test for the rest of the state. And, and they kind of, everybody goes the way of those two programs. Glastonbury really came away from that game with a strong win. They had been having a little bit of struggle, uh, some struggles going into the game. They had lost some games. If you remember, they had lost two of the last five going into that game. Mm-hmm. And what they did is they really shored up their defense. Now, everybody thinks Glastonbury, you think of an offensive juggernaut, but you know what? They have a really strong defense. They have really good, strong team defense. And in that game, they showed that they can win with those strong defenses throughout the tournament. And they kind of, for me at least, there was some concern. Who was the top team in the state? Were they the top team in the state? Do Milford the top team in the state? Is there another team out there? Uh, I think that just reasserted Glastonbury at the top. Now now you see they're playing the CCT tournament, playing well. Going to go for the tur- CCT championship on uh, Wednesday night. So Glastonbury's back to where we all thought they could be at this point. They're fairly healthy. Uh, they're not knocked up too much, and they will probably be the favorite going in, and we got that from that game. The other thing, and I don't want to be long-winded from this game alone, um, was that Farmington still has a lot of things they need to work on and improve on if they get back. Now, Farmington's a team that's really done well recently under Coach Waters, uh, legendary Coach Waters, about his 500 win earlier this year, but they're a team, dynamic players, especially Jared Elson and Jared Duke, uh, uh, Ben, 
Ben Hughes' brother, I apologize there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evan Hughes, the older brother, dynamic, creative player. Uh, so they certainly have those type of players, good defense. they still got to figure out who they are and how they're going to win games. So I think it was a important game for both. Another game that really stands out for boys soccer uh, was one of these earlier games, early in the season, two teams that are having really special seasons. Uh, with East Hartford and South Windsor, they played to a 5-5 draw. Wow. Went through overtime. East Hartford had two two-goal leads. South Windsor came back. Uh, you don't see, you see some soft-sided games, of course, but you don't see games that are that even and that high scoring. Uh, kind of gave a feel for what the season was going to be like for both those teams. Potential for a lot of goals. They're fun teams to watch. They're loose. They can play with a lot of speed. They have depth. And they both won a contend in November. Yeah. And, uh, and they, they played to that potential. So those two games stood out for me. Uh, you know, I've seen Coventry, one of the darlings in class best. You know, I've seen a lot of teams, so it's hard to narrow it down. <laughs> um, you know, Tollins had a great win against the Smith. Uh, Tollins' team is trying to figure itself out. Uh, and they've come back after a tough start. They've come back strong. And, of course, Lewis Mills. We're all wondering, is this the year Lewis Mills breaks through? So far, they've handled themselves really well. They've played a good Nottawa team, an underrated Nottawa team, and they uh, they did, did well in that game. So I think uh, those are some games that stand out for the boys. Uh, for the girls, another early game that was important was Northwest Catholic, Glastonbury. Glastonbury and Northwest always team to talk about with the top of the state. See them right. meeting on day one and uh, kind of almost being ready for the test of both going on. Uh, Northwest Catholic's a favorite at M. Glastonbury the favorites at uh, Double L. See them ready and prepared on day one for those journeys. Interesting to see and really stood out as well. Uh, and not to give short sight to the girls, but, uh, you know, Stuffield, another team, Avon left. Uh, see them play Ellington, play Ellington well early on in the season. Uh, that was an important game. But Stuffield doesn't get as many high-quality games as other teams. And so when they get those high-quality games, you want to see how they handle it and if they're at their best. And right. early on in the year, maybe not their best for Dave Sullivan, but they look like a team that was going to be able to handle themselves in L, or at least be up to the challenge of playing in L this year. Yeah, no, no question. So all sorts of good uh, regular season contests. So, and I know, uh, I'm sure in that, in that answer, we hit on a, a few of the teams, but... Uh, just, you know, generally speaking, what, what are maybe, you know, a handful of, of girls and boys teams that you're really uh, intrigued by as we enter the, the CIAC tournaments? Well, let's start right off the bat with uh, girls. Like the boys, start with them first. Newington's this team going to be a high seed in class L. They've got arguably the most dynamic score in the state, Kayla Lozada. She's got 36 goals so at this point in the season, wow. November 4th. Uh, just a tremendous talent. Sees the field well, knows how to get her teammates involved, and also knows how to use her her skill for her advantage. Uh, it's never a moment where you don't think she has the potential to break over the game. You know, she's been double teamed a lot in a lot of games, and she's still sports. She scores goals every game. And talking to a lot of high school girls coaches out there, I don't know the last time you know a, a player has scored in every single game. It's, it's certainly been a while, I believe. Uh, and uh, doing to the team, too, that played in the West, was good. had been good the last four years, but they had to play such a tough schedule in the West, they kind of got overshadowed by the other teams, like Northwest, right. all had, had, had wavy sisters. So, Newington now, in a different co- a different division of the CCC, has really gotten a chance to shine. 
is coming into the double L turn. It's still somebody that I don't know if a lot of people are completely believing in, but if they make this run through the Central Connecticut Conference Tournament, I think they're making a lot more believers. And uh, they certainly deserve the respect. They are more than just Sada, too. She's certainly the show when you show up the game, but they have a lot of players that deserve a lot of credit. They've got a goalie playing right now that is not their regular goalie, stepped up big in a game against Ram. Uh, They're a team kind of off the radar normally. You don't talk about doing it when you talk about girls' high school soccer. Right. Uh, You talk about the class of you talk about the soft you talk about the Avon. Their team to watch. I like Ram. Ram did just lose the semifinal CCT tournament, but they're another team that has good depth. They have a new coach. They like to do coach. They're all aboard. Uh, they have a little bit of toughness to them. Uh, they're another team that, you know, they might have jumped off. They could turn that around and come back strong. Berlin's another team, a very tough team, a very fast team. Uh, again, off the radar type team that should be able to do well. Um, and then you look at the Shoreline, you know, a Shoreline conference. A lot of teams don't always get talked about on the short line before getting old line. We've had good years, especially old line. That's another team you really want to uh, keep an eye on yeah. at this point. Uh, and then for boys, I want to go back to East Harford, South Windsor. We addressed them. They could be. They could have two breakout years. All team that beat Glastonbury has shown some real signs of potential throughout the season. Uh, and are they going to get that another big win at this point? At this time of year, I think they're I think they're certainly capable of it. Um, and I like and I mentioned Morgan Earl, but how about Morgan for boys? They just had a runaway season. They've got a, a tremendous player in Juan Avila, a sophomore. Just every game growing into the player that he's going to be. He's a guy down the road who's going to be playing college soccer. Yeah. And as a senior, he's going to be even stronger. Um, you know, it's so many teams out there that have the potential this year. I can't remember a time our season where you had so many teams going into November with a real legitimate chance. Usually you have five or six. This year, you know, you have boys last and very, but beyond that, it's a real mixed bag of who can make a run, who can get strong at the right time. Uh, you look at Weathersfield with Jimmy Slayton, who, in my opinion, undisputed best player and best goalie in the state. Uh, he's a guy that can really change the game for them. Sure. Weathersfield's hot right now. They carry over and get back to Class L and, and make a run that you're so used to seeing with Weathersfield, but might be not so recently. And another team that's, that's kind of one of the radar of some people that's getting in girls' soccer is Farmington. Strong defensively. Boy, they can score goals, too. They're a team you do not want to sleep on. And if they get it going, I could easily see them making a run to the semifinals or the finals of L. Wow. All right. Lots of great stuff, as always, from, uh, from Matt Conyers. So let me... Uh, I'll phrase this question a little uh, a, a little differently. It's sort of a, a similar question that I usually ask as we preview the tournaments, but I'll I'll maybe frame it a little bit differently. You talked about uh, how maybe the story this year is is how wide open uh, some of these tournaments are, and and you know so many teams seem to be very strong. What would sort of be the most? What do you think? I guess is most likely to happen. What would really surprise you if if such and such team didn't have at least a deep tournament run? What what would sort of be a a real surprise to you in terms of teams that you're just really kind of saying, you know what? Even with all this parity and all these really good teams, I'm counting on you know I think this team is at least going to make you know a run, whether it's to a championship. But uh, what would sort of be a, a real shock to you if uh, if a certain team uh, or or teams didn't really uh, equate themselves well in the tournament? Well, certainly, I think, uh, and we really haven't addressed them in the last 
ten minutes of us talking here. But the last married girls, I mean, they've gone now into the, they're in the CCC championship on Wednesday night, mm-hmm. and they're they got another perfect season. It's their second perfect regular season in four years. Uh, they won the title last year in the CCC and Class Double L. They're coming in as the heavy favorite. Now, of course, there's a tremendous amount of uh, quality from the FCAC specifically when you look at Class Double L tournament. But Glastonbury is the favorite, is the contender that everybody's looking going in. Um, they replaced basically their whole defense from last year, and they haven't missed a beat. They lost some great leaders. They lost some great offensive players, some to graduation, some that won the transfer to another school in the prep level. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They might be a better team than they were last year. I know that's shocking to say, but they play really good soccer. Last year, maybe they maybe, and I don't want to use this word, uh, too much because they're not a direct team, but they could they could run at you. They could play. They could play direct. They could play. They could bounce it around. Right. This year they're even, they're playing an even more attractive style than maybe they did last year when they did play good style. Um, you know they've gotten a great production off of you know who in my opinion is probably going to be an All American. Uh, should be an All American. It's probably the player of the year again. Just does a beautiful job of distributing the ball and really. Uh, Sabrina Blazer has really risen her game. And if you're looking for like a breakout player, I mean, she was great last year for them, solid player for them, but she's really had a breakout year for them. Um, you know, Joel, it's funny. I was talking with them, with some coaches and another coach. I won't name the coach, but he said to me, you know, they could beat college teams in this state. Wow. And he's being honest. And this is, a, this is a, a respected coach, a coach that knows the game really well. They are that good. Uh, they are that complete of a team, and if they get hurt, they can cycle new players in. They are uh, they're just like a beast. They're like what you see at the premiership level. And I know I'm throwing out a lot of hype here. I don't like to do that for a high school team. Yeah. But Glastonbury just does it for both boys and girls, but specifically here for the girls. They do it right. Uh, Joe Finicaro, a great coach, knows how to develop his players, knows how to utilize them in the right situations. Uh, and they come ready to play. Uh, they're all ready to play once they get to high school, and they're hungry to play. They want to play for Glastonbury. So to not see them make a deep run, uh, and if you know they were to get bounced in the second round, you know, it's high school soccer, it's soccer in general. Upsets happen. Sure. But it would be a bit of a shock to not see they not see this team, and almost a bit of a disappointment to not see them playing for the title because they are the best team. They deserve to be here at this point. They played in the best division, one of the best divisions in the state. So that's a team that definitely stands out. As, whoa! If they don't make it there, that's going to be that's going to be quite a surprise. Okay. And then then on the other side, like you know, Lewis Mills. I know people say it wasn't a surprise when Ellington beat them the last couple of years, but they put so much into it, so much hope on the boys' side. I I have a feeling they're going to have the ability to make the run this year. And it, and even if they do lose, it would be just a shocking thing for them to have these teams that you rarely have, these three type, strong type of teams, they rarely have in the Berkshire League, with the quality of winning the tournament, to not see them go far would yeah. be a surprise to me, too. And, and I'm not going to say they're going to lose. I think this is the year for Lewis Mills. I, I thought it was last year. I got stung with that prediction. But I'll go out I'll go say it again. I think Lewis Mills, this is the year that it, it gets done. At least they'll get to the semifinals, and they'll be playing on a turf field.
There you go. All right. So uh, how about uh, and and we won't ask you. And I know uh, I'm I'm having flashbacks that I think at the I talked to you after the uh, the soccer championships last year, and we were sort of marveling at the uh, the run of the Portland girls as the the essentially the lowest seeded team uh, in the field that went on to win the uh, the championship. I won't ask you for uh, for anything maybe that uh, that you know, sort of out of nowhere, but what's, you know, game, maybe give me one or two, you know, really out of nowhere, you know, maybe things will just break their way, uh, you know, and obviously it's hard without looking at uh, having the pairings, uh, which haven't come out yet, but just maybe one or two teams that you could see as really sort of off the radar teams that might find themselves uh, either in a championship game or winning a championship. That's a good question. It's so hard to predict, especially like a team like Portland. Who knew they were going to go on that run? Right. Uh, you know, Coventry girls to the team, and I don't know if I'm going out on a limb too much by saying this, they were a team that had a lot of potential at the start of the year, a uh, great team, and then they got hit with some, set, some tough injuries. Uh, they recovered nicely. They've had a few losses in the middle season, uh, and I think they kind of drifted to the background a little bit. I don't mm-hmm. think people are talking about them quite as much. I think when you look at the class as for girls, uh, people are looking at Housatonic. They're looking at, and rightfully so, Housatonic is definitely deserves to be the number one team people are talking about. And they're looking at Notre Dame Fairfield, uh, and they're looking at Old Lyme. These teams have gone out and had a great season. So, uh, it, but Coventry has the Agerly sisters, two two great sister pair, a really strong sister pair that has the potential to go on a run, and uh, you know. Surprise! Some of these, like they could be who's a tonic, and I wouldn't bat an eye. Right. Uh, but maybe they're not on the radar of everybody else. So Coventry is one of those teams you want to keep an eye on. And boys, you know, Summers, you can't really call Summers a surprise team because they've always been there. They haven't had quite the season some people expected this year. But don't sleep on Summers. They can easily make a running class S. One class S team that maybe people are sleeping on that has a great goalie for boys is St. Paul. Now, we talk about Jimmy Slayton being able to steal games. St. Paul could steal games the same way. They're not being overhyped. They're not getting a lot of votes in a lot of the, in the poll. Uh, I don't even know if they got any votes last week in the last poll. But St. Paul could be a team that kind of makes a run. They miss the stretch. Again, like I said before, soccer is so tough to predict. Sure. Uh, and, and that's the same thing. Allington, another team. Uh, they've slipped a little bit. They lost so many players from last year. But I always ask everybody when they're talking, making up uh, predictions for Class M, do you really want to bet, bet against Roy Gurdon? Roy, one of the best coaches at the high school level, just knows how to get the most out of his kids. Uh, they're another team like Portland was last year that maybe is completely off the radar but has a little bit of championship pedigree that can get on a run, can beat some teams, can play tight, to play smart soccer that's so essential this time of year to win games. Uh, they would be that team. And, and I'm trying to think of a team kind of that, that is kind of just going to make the tournament or at least be a high seed. Paul Girl Soccer is another team that a lot of people thought was going to do well. Uh, their coach thought they were going to be very strong, that they kind of struggled to put it together a little bit. But they have such talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 the baby the younger baby sister at this point uh, that if they get rolling, watch out they could they could string some wins together. Gotcha. 
Well, it's all great stuff. We we love uh, talking to Matt Conyers, and I, I confess to a little bit of bias. I am a uh, I love soccer and uh, and love this time of year to sort of see how the uh, the tournaments are going to shape up. And uh, we love chatting with Matt Conyers. If uh, for those who couldn't tell, he's on a on a phone in a car right now, so that was all off the top of his head. So imagine if he had had his uh, his notes in front of him, but we uh, we tracked him down in his car, and he's still able to. Uh, to pour out information for us. So, Matt, as always, we love talking to you and uh, and enjoy the tournaments coming up, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Appreciate it. Always fun. It's going to be another good one, I think. So, Always a pleasure talking to Matt. I just got to wind him up and let him go. He is great. He is a great guest for a host because he makes things uh, incredibly easy for me. I have to do very little when it comes to having Matthew Conyers on the podcast. Another person who uh, is very, very easy to talk to because she knows just about everything, that's Mary Albel of the New Haven Register talking a little cross-country. The CIAC cross-country divisional championships took place last weekend, and now we've got the state open coming up on Friday, which means we had to send out the Mary Albel signal, and she uh, promptly responded, as she always does when we need her for the podcast. So Mary Albel of the New Haven Register, happy to uh, have you with us. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Happy to be on. Always like talking to Mary to get some perspective on the uh, the cross country championships. As uh, we uh, we had our first championships of the fall, and now the big state open meet coming up on Friday at Wickham Park. So let's uh, let's start with what happened this past weekend. Why don't you quickly kind of run through who were the the teams and individuals that uh, impressed you the most, turned in the most impressive performances at the divisional championships this past weekend? One of the big um, kind of headlines was the. The uh, team race for the boys, you had um, the class double L was stacked with Danbury, Staples, Amity. You know, they've all kind of interchanged as the number one team in the state in the coaches' poll. And it was pretty much up for grabs, you know, who was going to win that race. And um, Amity emerged as the winner by less than 15 points against Staples. And then Danbury was right behind. Um, But, you know, Amity has a chance coming into the state open to win their first state open title in program history which is hard to believe considering all the success they've had. But Mm -hmm. it's going to be another great boys' team race on Friday between all those teams. Um, It's just Staples, Danbury, Amity, you even have Fairfield Prep, um, Ward, just so many teams that are very consistent. And like all the coaches have been saying, you know, any given day any team can win. It just depends on the conditions, who's running well. But um, Amity seems very focused, and they ran really well at the divisional meet um, last Saturday, and they were very impressive with their three, four, five runners, very consistent, and that's probably what it's going to take to win a state open title on Friday. Sure. On the girls' side, um, obviously Hannah DeBalzi of Staples, who recently committed to Stanford, she easily won. Um, she put down the same time as last year, but in which um, a lot of people are kind of wondering what that was all about but you know she's in a much better place this year a lot more fitter um she was dealing with an injury last year and this year she's 100 percent healthy so right on friday i would expect another great time and she'll be challenged more um but some some individuals who really impressed me was um the class s race immaculate they mm-hmm. had a freshman angela sademan who won her time was 1901 which is unreal for a freshman sure so um and then she had a teammate, Jenna, and they just did a really, they have a really nice one-two punch up front, and I think they're going to make some noise at the State Open. And then um, another team that everybody talks about, Tallinn, but 
they kind of bounce back after finishing second at the CCCs, and they have a really, really strong junior in Catherine DiLoretta, and uh, she improved from last year by nearly 50 seconds, which is incredible. So she could definitely challenge Hannah on Friday. Great. Lots of good uh... – Lots of good stuff there. So, uh, any uh, any surprises? Anything that uh, that that uh, caught you off guard, either positively or, or you know maybe teams or individuals that that struggled at the the divisional championships who might be looking to bounce back at the open. Anything that uh, anything that caught you off guard a little bit at the divisional meets? I think just going back again to that double L race for the boys. Um, I think people thought maybe it might have been a little bit closer between um, Amity and Staples. Mm-hmm. Staples certainly did not run their best race in the haven't run their best race this year so I think they're definitely going to bounce back they've been dealing with a lot with injuries and just some personal issues um but another thing that kind of surprised me um was the girls double s race mm-hmm. Sam drop of Coggenshaw she dropped the second her third fastest time going under 19 minutes um she's committed to the University of Georgia but she she won her first um state of state title in uh, 1858, and she was very impressive. I think a lot of people had Maddie Brandon of HK winning, but Sam really just um, went for it on the hills and collected the win. So I think she's another runner that maybe people hadn't thought as a top three runner coming into the state open, but she's certainly established herself as one to watch. Sure. All right, so uh, you've hinted at it a little bit. Now we'll, uh, you know, we've we've done our recapping. Now let's uh, let's get into the meat of the of the preview here. What are, what are you uh, what are you looking for at the state open uh, in bo- in terms of both team and individual stuff? And uh, what what are the storylines? What are you really uh, keeping an eye on? And and how are you maybe thinking things are going to shake out this Friday at Wickham Park? Just on the girls' side again, um, Hannah DeBalzi, She's um, almost a given to win, but I think she might be challenged a little bit more than previous years, just again by Collins, Catherine DeLoretti. You have a lot more girls that are running under 19 minutes and can run under 19 minutes mm-hmm. than we've seen in previous years. Um, what's kind of neat about the Hannah DeBaldi story is uh, she has a chance to become the fourth runner in Connecticut history to win three straight class and open titles. Mm-hmm which is an incredible feat. You don't see that too often. Um, she owns the five fastest times on the course, so she's just somebody you want to go watch. I mean, you're not going to get to see her run another cross-country race in, in the state of Connecticut this season, so if you have the chance, definitely go see her. But team-wise for the girls, um, it's going to be very close between Tallinn, Glastonbury, and Ridgefield. You saw last week... Glastonbury just edged out Ridgefield by four points, and that's going to be the case again this Friday. You add in Pollen. Newtown was impressive. Um, even Immaculate Staples, you know, they're all going to take some points. So that title is really up for grabs. Pollen's going for their third straight open title, and they're going to be challenged. Um, I could see Ridgefield winning. I could see Glastonbury winning. So that's, again, like I said with the boys, who's ever – racing well that day he's ever three four five runners are on they're gonna win right on the boys side um individually you saw a very very competitive ll race they had the two fastest times of the day with brian mcmahon's eric vanderels and then you had um gabe alltop of ridgefield those two kind of duped it out with vanderels winning um then you had in glassy berries randy meesh um brendan murray from cheshire 
Drew Thompson from Fairfield Prep. Any one of those guys could win the race. They're all capable of going under 16 minutes. So there is no clear-cut favorite to win the Open on the guys' side, which is really kind of awesome because in previous years, we've known the winners kind of with Darian, Alex Osberg, Henry Wynn. Those have been very predictable. But this year, um, it's up for grabs. And then again, just going back to the team um, race, it's going to be competitive with Amity, Staples, Danbury, and you may even see perhaps probably some people award, um, shake things up a little bit. But um, for the first time, you know, the team on both sides, races are going to be really interesting to see how they, they uh, shake out. Yeah, no, it makes for an interesting uh, interesting meet coming in when uh, we really, as you say, are sort of uh, – are guessing a little bit in terms of how uh, both the team and the individual results, at least on the boys' side, may uh, may play right. out. Just sort of a general question, and uh, as someone now who's covered this sport and uh, has covered a lot of meets at Wickham Park, um, we've t- I think we talked last year when we, we previewed the meet just sort of about how challenging a course it is. What do you think sort of particularly on that course are some of the, you know, some of the keys or the strategies that the, the coaches might be preaching to their teams? Uh, just, you know, specific to Wickham Park. If you, were, uh, if you were coaching, say, one of these teams, what would be sort of your, your message to your team in terms of how to attack that course? I think you saw last week a lot of runners who – were, you know, just new to the course. They went out so fast, um, and that's easy to do on a course like this. You know, adrenaline pumping, and it's kind of flat at the beginning, but um, where you see a lot of athletes and runners separate themselves, you know, you see a big pack come along, but when they hit the hill, mm-hmm. it's called the Green Monster, and it'll make or break you. <laughs> so you see a lot of kind of those more experienced runners um, who have run the course before. That's really where they put in the work and they'll just charge up it and kind of separate themselves. And I think that's what you're going to have to do where a lot of the runners do. And then um, at the end, you know, if you don't have anything left, you're, you know, it's going to be a hard finish because the finish at Wickham Park is a little bit of an incline. Right. And that does get some of the runners, you know, you see a lot of the runners. um, doesn't even matter if it's a hot or cold day, you know, struggling to finish because it is – you do have that incline, and it, it's difficult if you don't have anything left in you. So I would say, you know, just a lot of those runners, the midway point up the hill is where you're going to have to really turn it on and then make sure you have something at the end to, to give it that final push. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and if, as we say, if the, if the results are going to be, you know, possibly very close uh, in the team competition on both sides, any points and any places picked up or lost in the the home stretch there may prove pivotal. So that'll be another interesting thing to watch. And we know Mary Alba will be watching it very closely as she camps out at Wickham Park. I'm pretty sure at this point she may just be a resident of the Wickham Park uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Manchester there. And uh, she just sets up her tent for a week and, and just hangs out. But uh, <laughs> we love talking to her and love getting her perspective on cross country. Mary, have fun on Friday and uh, and thanks for being with us. Thank you. And finally, finishing things off for us, we go back to the capital city of Hartford and the Hartford Current. Lori Riley going to talk a little field hockey tournament. As the state tournament approaches, we wanted to get a little more perspective on the field hockey tournament that will be uh, the pairings coming out on Friday. And for that, we turn to Lori Riley of the Hartford Current. Lori, thanks for joining us today. Sure, no problem. Always happy to have you with us as we dive into the uh, the field hockey tournament coming up. Um, 
So we'll start off kind of before we, we turn our focus ahead to the tournament, let's kind of at least talk a little bit about the, the regular season. What are some of the teams that, uh, that you've seen or, or that you've uh, sort of re- you know, been following that have really impressed you uh, through the regular season? Well, you know, I mean, in field hockey, it, it tends to always pretty much be the same teams mm-hmm. um, because just the, you know, the programs that are strong tend to stay strong if they have feeder programs or whatever. So, <clears throat> I mean, you look at, you know, the team, I mean, probably the team that's impressed me the most um, is Glastonbury because they really, actually Glastonbury and Hand, um, Hand lost a lot more than Glastonbury um in class m but mm-hmm. boy they you know they've played really well this year and have done except for last night they lost to laurel in the hall in the sec final but um you know they're they're really well very well obviously well coached and um they have sam pavano back at hand who's very good but mm-hmm. i think you know they're going to be obviously a contender again in class m and um glastonbury you know lost a good chunk of players including um their best player and <clears throat> they've come right back and you know, done really well again this year, too. So I think they're going to be um, a contender in Class L again, obviously. Um, you mentioned some of those uh, those perennial, you know, perennially strong teams. As we go towards the tournament uh, and start to look ahead here, are, are those the teams that you're kind of most counting on? Who are who are some of the, the squads that you're really expecting to uh, to kind of stand out and, and make some deep tournament runs here as we, uh, as we start turning into uh, the championship time? Um, well, if you want to break it down a little by class, um, mm-hmm. you know, you <clears throat> obviously um, Darien in Class L is, you know, always the always the favorite to win. Yep. Um, I don't think they ever have a down year. Um, Glastonbury, uh, who I mentioned before, uh, who tied Darien last year in the final. Uh, they don't have as strong a team as they did last year, but they're still really, really good. Right. And I think they're going to be in the mix. Um, the interesting thing <clears throat> is that Wilton is in Class L now. Sure. And they were the Class M uh, runner-up last year to hand. And, you know, I'm sure that Glastonbury and Darien are going, oh, no, you know, now we have to deal <laughs> with Wilton. Um, so that's another, you know, one because they're, they're obviously very good. Um, the one that's uh, interesting in L this year is Connard. Um, they've made, you know, a little noise in the CCC this year. Uh, their only losses to Glastonbury. I mean, they did lose three to one, but that was early in the season. So yep. I'm thinking they're probably better this, at, at this point now than they were earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the question is, can they hang with the teams like Glastonbury and Darien in Class L? And I don't know that answer because they really haven't had to do that um, yet. So they, they're kind of looking. To, they're kind of like the up and coming team, sure. you know, yep. that, looking to prove themselves. Uh, Cheshire is always good. Can't count them out in Class. L, you know, they haven't had maybe their best year for their standards, but they've had a very good year. So, and I'm sure nobody will want to play them, you right. know, in the tournament. So, yep. so that's L. Uh, M, uh, obviously, hand lost all those players, but they're still very good. Um, and uh, Laurel and Hall is in there. They won the SEC championship, even though they lost twice to hand uh, during the year, but they beat them last time. So they, they are capable of beating them. Um, <clears throat> you get Avon and Farmington, you know, from the CCC, they're always in the mix. Um, Avon lost their last two games, but they, they tend to do that sometimes and then they kind of bounce back in the tournament. So, so they, they'll probably be in the mix and, uh, Farmington's been playing well this year too. Um, they beat Avon in their last game. So, so they might be somebody in there. I mean, right. I don't think they can beat a team like hand, uh, 
but you know they they'll be up there too. You know, those those are the teams I expect to to be an M. And uh, do it. Should I keep going? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, S. Um, <clears throat> uh, there's you know HK's looking good in S. Um, Granby obviously is always a contender yep. in S. Uh, they lost their last two games, but I, I feel like with um, Sandy Mason, you can just throw out her record in the tournament because right. she's always going to be in there. The the team that's really cool in, in S this year is Enfield, and <clears throat> they lost to Granby earlier in the year, but then they tied them uh, later in the year, and Cookie Bromwich has a nice little team, and she's got some good players on that team. Yeah. Um, they might not be ready for prime time yet, like maybe one more year, but the problem with that is they're going to combine with Fermi next year, and right. then they're going to move up in the class. So this is their last year, I assume, right, in Class S? Yeah. So, um, you know, this might be their shot, you know, to, to do something. And Class S is always kind of a – you never know what's going to happen in it. It's kind of, There's a lot of teams that don't play on turf there. Um, or, you know, some, maybe not a lot, but some teams. So you're just never sure. Like somebody could, you know, there could be a bad bounce and somebody could beat somebody in S. It's not – I don't know if S is predictable, as predictable as the other – uh, classes are so, and then of course Lewis Mills, the defending champ. Um, they have a new coach this year, Joanne Newhouser, and she's you know done really well with that team. So um, she expects them to be up there too. So, yeah. so I would say that's your that's your group right there of of teams that are you know going to do things. Right. All right. So lots of uh, lots of good stuff. You mentioned a few you know that uh, that field hockey traditionally has, has sort of had some dominant programs that uh, you know have have been consistently. Uh, you know, favored entering the tournaments and then traditionally have done well. And you yeah. mentioned a few, uh, you know, your your Connard and maybe Enfield and a few other mm-hmm. teams that are sort of trying to kind of break into that uh, that conversation. Are there any others that uh, you know maybe some teams that are a little less traditionally uh, strong that maybe you're you're kind of just keeping a, a wary eye on just to kind of see if if they're uh, in in position to maybe make a little bit of a move this year. Yeah, not that I've seen to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Enfield um, and Connard are the only two teams in my area that I would say are, um, <clears throat> are you know, could be in that conversation. Sure. But um, no, that that's those are those are pretty much the two um, that I would I would pick. Okay. Um, again, like I said, Enfield Enfield has a lot of young players, so they might be. I would say, you know, if they were still going to be in Class S next year, I would say they're a year away from right. You know, really doing some damage in Class S. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, not right now, no. Gotcha. All right. <clears throat> well, that is uh, always excellent perspective and uh, from Lori Riley, and we look forward to, uh, to seeing how it all shakes out and, uh, and seeing how things happen here in the next few weeks. So, Lori, as always, we appreciate you taking a few minutes and, uh, and, and sharing some field hockey knowledge with us. We're looking forward to, uh, to the tournament coming up and looking forward to all your coverage of it. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Great stuff, as always, from Lori Riley. She managed to uh, to keep her dog from uh, from barking and disrupting the interview. So uh, kudos to her for both having excellent knowledge and for doing a, a great job as a pet owner. So we thank all of our guests for being with us this week. Very excited about the CIAC tournament's upcoming Friday, the 6th of November. Pairings in boys and girls soccer, field hockey, and girls volleyball will all be released. It's going to be a very exciting uh, time. Be sure to check out Tournament Central on the CIC Sports website. Once again, bookmark that page. It's going to have everything. You're also going to want to sign up for SMS, text, or email alerts to keep track of all of the tournament information. Those are your ways, your best ways to follow CIC tournament competition. 
We also, of course, encourage you to follow us on Twitter at CIAC Sports. That's a great way to keep a track of CIAC tournament information as well. So thank you once again to all of our guests for being with us. Vicki Fulkerson, Scott Erickson, Matthew Conyers, Mary Albel, Lori Riley. It, a, it is a murderer's row of CIAC cast guests. They did a wonderful job for us. I thank them very much for being with us. I thank you for being with us. Once again, I am Joel Cookson. We will hope to be back in two weeks and where we will be uh, previewing the CIAC championships, believe it or not. So looking forward to that, looking forward to some great tournament competition over the next few weeks. Thanks so much for being with us. I'm Joel Cookson. Hope you'll join us once again on an upcoming edition of the CIAC cast. (laughs) 